Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This morning I want to talk to you from Romans chapter 8. And I want to talk to you about your perspective. How many know that the longer you live, the, long, the more your perspectives change about things? There are things that maybe you used to value greatly that you no longer value at all. Why? Because your perspective changed. Things that you used to find great joy in the past bring you no joy today. Why? Because your perspective changed. And if the, 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 the dangerous part about that is this. If you're not careful... Your perspective can be changed by circumstances, so you start focusing on things that are deteriorating in your life instead of things that are building your life. You can start focusing on things that take you away from the track that God has for you, or perhaps the promises that God has for you. Yesterday, we were, uh, when I say we, Megan, was decorating our house for Christmas, and how many understand that's a process? Right? I wish you could just say, you know, decorate and it be done. But it doesn't happen that way. And so Megan was decorating the house. I was watching ball games and uh, we were each doing our part there. And at some point, um, at some point she made the statement. She says, so what do you think? And I, I said, what, what do I think about what? Because... The reason I didn't know what she was commenting, I didn't know if I was supposed to be focusing on the beautiful Christmas tree and the mantle she had wonderfully displayed with Christmas lights and all that kind of stuff, or are we talking about the 17 empty boxes that are around our living room that all the stuff came out of, right? Because we, they were both present. So I didn't know if I was supposed to comment on the beautiful part or if I was supposed to comment on the messy part because they were both there. And she said, the beautiful part is what I was supposed to be commenting. I was supposed to notice how beautiful it was. Well, can I tell you, in life, all through life, there's two things present always. The beautiful part and the messy part. And we can live our lives consumed by problems or we can live our lives encouraged and, and hope-filled because of the promises that are there right beside it. Amen. Beauty and problems are always present. You and I have a choice to make. Which one are we going to focus on? In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says it like this, I consider that our present suffering... How many say that's a problem? Present suffering... He says, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Can I tell you something, child of God? You are not just a person with present sufferings. You are also a person with future promises of God's glory that will show up in your life, not just in this life, but even beyond this life. Each of us are people that are filled with problems, but also filled with promises. And we've got to make up our mind that we're going to define ourselves. Under fact, the Word of God defines His children like this over and over throughout the Old Testament. He defines His people as children of promise. Can I tell you, though, you and I are New Testament believers, we are still children of God's promises. He still has promises for us. 
that we can take hold of this morning. So listen, he says, the present sufferings aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed for someone else. No, 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 revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of the Lord. We're going to finish out uh, through verse number 28 as we preach. But let's just stop right there and pray and get into the meat of the message this morning. Father, we love you. I'm thankful that we are people of promise. And that promise should alter our perspective. Lord, this morning, we're not preaching self-help. We're not preaching mind over matter. We're not preaching about focusing our attention as a mental, as a mental exercise only. Instead, Lord, we, our goal is to get our minds wrapped around the reality that is ours because of Jesus, because of what you've done in us, through us and for us, because of what you purchased for us at the cross. I pray that is what rings true this morning. I also pray that you would anoint me today above my own ability to speak the words of God, the words of God alone. Open every ear, heart, and mind in this room today and those connecting with us online today that they could hear what the Spirit of God would say to them. And we'll rejoice and respond accordingly. Everybody in the room said amen. Paul says that Pain, suffering, trials comes to everyone without exception. How many would say, yeah, I've noticed, right? I've noticed. It comes to all of us. You don't have to go to the foyer and sign up for it. You don't have to register for it online. You don't have to ask someone to ship it to you. It just shows up. Pain, struggles, and problems, they all come. And verse number 17 says this, if we're going to share in the glories of God, we must also share in the sufferings of Jesus. And, and so then I begin to wonder, well, Lord, what kind of sufferings did you have? Well, Jesus had some sufferings in his body, he had some sufferings in his mind, he had emotional sufferings, but more than that, he had sufferings because he lived in a broken world, he had sufferings because he took stands for, the, for righteousness, he had sufferings because of what he did for God, he also had sufferings just because of who he was, he was the son of God. Can I tell you, all of that could be, should be true for each of us. We are all going to have some of those same types of sufferings in our life. But Paul gives us some lessons on how to navigate seasons of struggle with hope and with freedom and with a different perspective than we would have without our hope in Christ. And I want to share you with you three or four of those this morning. If you're in a season of struggle today and you're trying to reach a God-type perspective about your circumstance, I want to help you this morning with God's Word. The first thing I want to tell you is you must learn to redefine your current circumstances with God's Word. Paul says, I consider that my present suffering isn't worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. My perspective, listen friends, your perspective, my perspective, what we see, what we feel, what we go through, we are either going to define it by what God says or we're going to define it by what we feel. We're either going to walk by faith or we're going to walk by sight. But can I tell you, you cannot do both at the same time. 
You will walk by what you feel or you will walk by what you believe. And those are also not always in alignment with each other. We've got to walk by faith. Paul was no stranger to suffering. He is not sharing with us this, this advice, this instruction from Easy Street. He's not saying, if I ever had a problem, this is what I would do. No, he is saying, I have been through it and back again, and I'm persuaded no matter how hard the road has been, no matter how destitute I've been, even though I've been kicked down, beaten, fed up on, left for dead, all these things that he says in Corinthians chapter 11, if you want to see his resume for suffering, it's, it's huge. He says, despite all of the lonely nights, I consider that these present sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory I will have through Christ Jesus. I want to just read part of, maybe you've never read it before, 2 Corinthians 11, listen to just part of this. Paul says, I've had to cross rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, risk in the country, endangered by desert heat and storm. I've been betrayed by those who I thought were my brothers. I've been in drudgery, hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep. I've missed meals. Uh, meals. I've been blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And he said, that's not the half of it. Paul was a guy that knows how to... Go through it. He is not unfamiliar with suffering, but he says, despite all of that, what's coming is better than what I'm going through. Then he paints this other picture, which I am sort of foreign to. I don't really know much about his next picture. He talks about how suffering for the believer is part, he compares it to the process of childbirth, which is why I say, I have no experience. And any lady in the room today, if you've been through the process of childbirth, and if I get part of my description of the process wrong, please feel free to straighten me out after church, and I promise to listen, because I don't know. But here's what I've heard. I've heard that generally there are some unwelcome consequences to giving birth. I've, I've heard that ladies generally gain weight during the process. I've never noticed it, but I've heard it. <laughs> That's what I hear. Most ladies would not sign up for that. I, I hear that there are weeks, if not months, of discomfort. I've heard that at the end of the term, during the birth process, I hear that there can be moments or hours of extreme pain. I've heard that after the delivery, it can take your body weeks, if not months, to fully recover. And yet I discover many ladies who have gone through it one time sign up to do it again. Right? Is it because all ladies are struggling in their mind? <laughs> or is it that they have discovered that the glory of a new life is worth more than any of the pain of the process? Can I tell you that when struggles come, we need to remember that God has us in process. 
that we are not experiencing death pains. We're experiencing birth pains to a new level of God's glory that He wants to reveal in each and every one of us. Paul says, as a believer, any pain I have in this life is going to be overwhelmed by the glory that's to come. And that's not just about heaven. That's about our life here on earth. So a few things real quick. We should understand that suffering and struggles can be expected. But God is going to be with us through them. Number two, we should remember our B in your notes. We could remember that struggles are limited in time. Either by divine interruption of God's grace through the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ or by our ultimate healing. At some point, our present problems will give way to God's glorious healing. Psalms 30, verse number 5, says that weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. Struggles will be swallowed up by the glory of God. I, I like what Paul said again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm sorry, 4, 17. He says that our light and momentary struggles. I, I didn't read all of what he just said he went through, but he talked about getting beat up, left for dead, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, betrayed by others. He, he went through his whole list of what he'd been through. And yet none of those things that he describes to me come across as being light or no big deal. They're all big deals. If you meet me after church today and each of you guys a stone in your hand and you're going to throw it at me and try to kill me by stoning me in that fashion can I tell you that's not a small deal in my eyes but yet Paul says though that's a big deal in the eyes of people it is just a small minute thing compared to the glory of God that's going to be revealed in me and through me even in the midst of my struggle struggles are universal but I want to tell you not only is a struggle universal but the glory of God is universal as well God being seen through the life of a believer is not just something reserved for two or three spiritual people in the church. God's glory can be seen through each of us. So number two, he says, don't lose hope. He says, we know, in verse 22, that all of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Then few verses later he talks about hope he says hope that is seen is not hope at all who hopes for what he already has but if we hope for what we don't have we wait for it patiently you know what a hope is hope is the result of a promise the word of god is filled with wonderful promises for each of us and we know that god is not just a promise giver he's also a promise keeper and so when hope seems distant, we have to rehearse the promises of God. We have to remember that God has given us the Holy Spirit. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit draws you to that moment of choosing Jesus, but then the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. And the Word says the hope inside of you is a deposit. It's a guarantee. It's a reminder that the Holy Spirit inside of you is the result of God's promise, but it's also working on your behalf to bring the promises of God into fulfillment in your life. And here's the other thing. Hope is a guide for your life. Hope 
means I'm not going to do what I want to do, say what I want to say when I want to say it. Hope says I'm going to live a better way. I'm going to live in a God-fearing way and a God-pleasing way because I have hope in Him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, if in this life only we have hope, we're to be, all, we're to be pitied more than every person if we are hopeless people. But he says we're not hopeless people. So instead of pitied, we should be envied. Instead of a person who is defined as there is no hope for and they cannot win, we should be defined as people that cannot lose. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Number three, if you need to change your perspective, we've got to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 says, In the same way the Holy Spirit, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that cannot be expressed by words. And He who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to His will. When we are in times of struggle, the Holy Spirit helps us. If you've ever gone through a time of personal tragedy or hardship, you'll probably say amen to what I'm about to say. When the fire is turned up on your life, the hardest person to pray for is yourself. I've had people call me when they're going through hard times and say, Pastor, I, 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 I can't pray. I can go pray for somebody else and I'll be a mighty man of faith. They'll tell me, hey, I, I, can, I can pray the paint off the walls if I'm praying for someone else. But when it comes to praying for me or my immediate family member that I'm in need, well, I, I I just, I don't have it. I can't do it. And sometimes I feel like their faith is failing. Can I tell you, friends, your faith isn't failing. You're human is what that is. But there's a, prob, there's a promise for humanity. He says, he prays for us. Did you catch that? It doesn't say the Holy Spirit prays through us only. He says, he prays for us. When I can't pray... He prays for me. When you can't pray, the Holy Spirit in you prays for you. There's all times when we have a need that seems bigger than us and we need someone to pray for us. In Mark chapter 9, there was a man who came to Jesus who needed Jesus to heal his son of a deaf and mute spirit. And Jesus told this father, hey, this is an easy thing if you can believe. You can believe your son can be healed, delivered, free from this thing that is controlling his life. And this father said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He's like, Lord, I believe, but, but, but in, internally there, there, there's still a little bit of, of lack. There's still a little bit of hesitation. There's just some stuff I don't understand and I don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit in moments when you don't know how to pray, the Bible says the Holy Spirit prays for us. Secondly, it says this, the Holy Spirit prays through us. He prays for us and He prays through us with groans and utterances that cannot be understood. That's why I believe it's, so, it's such a gift when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
and you receive your personal prayer language. If you don't know what to pray, you can pray. But God doesn't just pray for you. The Holy Spirit doesn't just pray for you. He prays through you. And He prays in accordance to God's will because I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't know how to pray. But He doesn't just pray for me. He doesn't just pray through me. He prays according to God's will. And number four, when you're face-to-face with struggles, believe that God can redeem all things. Look at verse number 28. I want to read it to you from a different version. I think is on the board, but the gist is the same. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. Most of you in this room probably could have quoted that scripture when you walked in today. You may not have known it was found in Romans 8 and 28, but but you've heard that, that, that scripture, that God works all things together for those who are in Christ, those who are love Him and called according to His purpose. You've probably heard that scripture. It's very, uh, people put it on posters and coffee mugs and all those kind of things. Very famous scripture. But I fear that sometimes we, we put a period in this scripture where there is not one. Sometimes I've heard people, their, their philosophy and their theology is this, and that we know God causes everything, period. And no matter what life throws at them, they are convinced that God caused it. If I'm sick, I guess God wanted me sick. If my house gets hit by the tornado, I guess God wanted my house to get hit by the tornado. If my finances are in the toilet, I guess it's because God wanted my finances in the toilet. I've heard people going through hell on earth and they're, 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 they just vocalize. Well, I know God has a purpose for this. As if everything in our life is God's... Is, they, they take their scripture, but they just take the first part. That we know that everything is because of Him. We know that God causes everything. But can I tell you, that's not what God says. He doesn't say that God causes everything. If, if God causes everything... And if God is a loving God, which we know His Word declares that He is, then that brings some problems to us. I like uh, Ray Comfort, one of the great apologists. He says if God really loves His children, but yet He causes everything, then there's three, there's three options we've got to embrace. The first option is this, that God made everything, but He blew it. He is, he is creative, but He's incompetent because He... He created things that are not perfect, not right. Our second, if God causes everything and He loves everyone, then second, God must be a tyrant. And He gets kicks. He gets pleasure from seeing people have problems and suffer. Or the third option is this. Something between God and and man is radically broken. And I would submit to you 
if you study the Word of God, option number three is the reality prescribed by Scripture. That there is something between God and humanity that is radically wrong. But friends, can I tell you 1 John chapter 3, verse number 8? It's my favorite Christmas Scripture. It says, The reason that Jesus appeared was to destroy the work of the enemy. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy what was destroying us. Christmas is not just a celebration of a baby born in a manger. The angel told Mary, you will name him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. He's going to take what is radically broken and bring healing. You know what we call that? We call that redemption. See, there's no suffering, no struggle, no harm, and no hurt in my life that Jesus cannot redeem. And so when I'm suffering and when I'm struggling, when that scripture says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, that scripture is not saying that God caused everything that happens to his people. What that scripture is saying is, Jesus can redeem everything that touches the life of his people. And some of you, I, I, you, some of you are saying, Pastor, I disagree with you, and, and I'm not going to let you off on this one. You can, leave, you can disagree with me about something else, but, but this one, you're going to have to leave here saying I'm wrong. I'm going to leave here saying you're wrong. God doesn't cause everything. Some people drive poorly and cause accidents. God doesn't, cause them. God doesn't cause people to drink alcohol and then get behind the wheel of a car. God doesn't cause someone to get sick. God doesn't cause, that, that's part of the broken, God doesn't cause childbirth to be painful. Right? We talked about that earlier. That's found, you can read that from Scripture, Genesis chapter 3. It's part of the curse. It's part of the, the brokenness of the world that we live. But here's the good news. Jesus came to redeem what is broken. Just like he redeemed us from our sins, there's no part of our life that he cannot redeem. So with that redemption process in mind, that's how you got to read Romans chapter 8, 28, that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. He doesn't cause the tragedy, but he can redeem any tragedy by his grace and his help. He's a redemptive father. So that means when I find myself in seasons of pain and suffering, there's three things I can have confidence in. Number one, Jesus will redeem this tragedy for his purpose. Why? Because I love him and I've been called according to his purpose. And though what I'm in is not caused by him, he can redeem it for a greater purpose. God has a track record of using tests to produce testimonies. There may not be a divine purpose for a person's sickness, but God can redeem it for the divine purpose. Second thing you can be confident in times of pain and struggle is this, is that Jesus, if you let him, will mold you through his redemption process. 
Look at verse number 29. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of God. I don't know everything that's going on in your life. You don't know everything going on in my life. But if we're believers, there's one thing we can know about, about each other's lives, and it's this. Everything that God is doing in my life is conforming me to be more like Him. Everything Jesus is doing in my life is to make me less like Greg and more like Jesus. And some of you are wishing He would speed up the process. I know. But, but, but He's redeeming me. And last, I can have confidence that Jesus will be seen through this redemption process. Verse 30 says he's given each of us the ability to have right standing and have glory. Yesterday, I watched way too many hours of college football. And only one of the three teams I was rooting for won which made it even a bigger waste. Some of you want to know who my one team was that won, and I'm not going to tell you. But I watched over and over again, you know, people scoring or making great tackles. That wasn't a lot of people, but there were several guys that had Scripture written on their, you know, doing the Tim Tebow thing from the days they had Scriptures written on their cheeks or across their nose or whatever and they would score or they'd make a tackle or they'd do whatever and they'd point to the air which was their their way of giving God glory and there's nothing wrong with that I wish more people would do that but I also believe that giving God glory through our victories may be the cheapest way we give God glory doesn't take much, much integrity, doesn't take a whole lot of devotion to give God glory when you're on top. Paul is not writing the scripture because everything in his life is perfect. He's, he is presently in a problem. Why would you think that? Because he says, our present sufferings. He is presently dealing with at least that thorn in his flesh that we still don't really know what it is. God says, my grace is more than sufficient, but it's still a present thorn. He's dealing with present sufferings, but he says, my present suffering will not overshadow my future promise nor will it outshine the glory that God has for me. So I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. If you're in a place of present problems, present suffering, I want to make sure that each of us have our perspective not on what we can do, how we can change things, because I will tell you what we can do and how we can change things is often very, very limited, but what Jesus can do in us when we fix our eyes on Him. It gives us hope. It gives us strength. It allows us to have a perspective that's not focused on our problems only, 
but also the promises of God that deliver to us hope, strength, and healing in our times of trouble. And today you say, Pastor, I, I am in the thick of it. I'm in the middle of a battle. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's mental, maybe it's relational. Can I tell you that I believe that you can grab a hold of the promises of God and the strength of God no matter no matter the season or the struggle you're in. You say, Pastor, I need that. I need the help of God. I need the strength of God. I need the hope of God to come alive in me. Would you just lift your hand real quick? Say to me, Pastor, pray for me. I need that today. Amen? Amen? Amen. Then today, I want to pray for you. If you lift your hand. Father, you said that you would never leave us or forsake us. That you would be with us through every season of our life. And Lord, you inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words as a source of hope for us. That no matter how great or difficult our present sufferings may be, as real as they are, and for many in this room, they are very real and they are very great. But Lord, they're just the tip of the iceberg in comparison to what you have reserved and strength, grace, and promise for your children. So God, I pray as the problems have been overwhelming, the Lord, now the promises of God will overwhelm those same people. Lord, as the friction, as Scripture calls it, the, the friction of life going against us, Lord, despite that, the favor of God would be undeniable in their life. And where they have been so tempted to just worry, God, we would turn that worry into worship because we know you are in control and that you are on the throne and that you're working on our behalf. God, give the Holy Spirit to help them pray in moments they feel like they can't pray. Give them the words to pray when they don't know what to say. Lord, give them the faith to pray when they feel like unbelief and disbelief is ruling the day. Be their God. Be their guide. And be their strength. Because it's in you that we hang all of our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.